This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to The Playlist Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Barfield, Managing Editor of The Playlist. And for this episode, I'm presenting an interview I recently conducted with actor Anthony Michael Hall about his role in the forthcoming Halloween Kills, where he plays a grown-up Tommy Doyle who aims to take on Michael Myers. For those that don't know, and and you probably should know, Anthony Michael Hall is a legend when it comes to the world of -of coming-of-age films. Just looking at his filmography from his years as a child actor, starring in iconic features such as National Lampoon's Vacation, 16 Candles, The Breakfast Club, and Weird Science over a three-year period, believe it or not. There's no denying Hall has made an indelible mark on film. And now, decades later, he's doing it again, albeit in a decidedly darker atmosphere with Halloween Kills. And in this episode, Anthony Michael Hall joins us to talk about his role as Tommy Doyle in Halloween Kills, which is, as you know, the highly anticipated sequel to David Gordon Green's massive Halloween reboot sequel, something or another, from 2018. Over the course of the interview, it's clear Hall's really jazzed about joining the beloved Halloween franchise, and he doesn't take any of it for granted. He also talks about his decades-long career that includes those aforementioned run of films with John Hughes, and uh, he has come up with a fun name for those films, uh, which he calls this Puberty on Film Trilogy, believe it or not. But before we get to the interview, I got to tell you the Playlist Podcast is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes Be Real, The Fourth Wall, Deep Focus, and more. And if you want to find us, you can check your podcast app of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, or anywhere else you find your favorite shows. So without further delay, here's my interview with Anthony Michael Hall, one of the stars of the new film Halloween Kills, which comes out in theaters and on Peacock on October 15th. Enjoy. Let's just jump into it here. Halloween Kills was supposed to hit theaters last October, but obviously COVID had other plans. So what has it been like this last year sitting on this movie that you have such a big role in waiting for fans to finally get to see it? Great question. I'll tell you exactly what I was doing. I was hunting on YouTube practically every day, Charles, looking at reaction videos, reaction videos to the, 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 uh, the, the test screenings last year. I mean, I've just been like a rabid, you know, franchise fan of Halloween. So kind of just seeking out any information I could get, you know, cause I hadn't seen the movie until very recently. And, uh, you know, what was cool about that, Charles, it gave me an opportunity really to plug into the fan universe. And as you well know, this is the behemoth of all horror in terms of genre, right? So fans are very serious about it. And this being the 12th installment, as you know, probably better than I, they're very specific about each, each timeline, each, each sequel, every aspect of the film. So I just have to say to your, to your question, I felt like one of the fans, you know, because I'm trying to get any morsels, any information I could get about how the film turned out. So as you can imagine, just got me very pumped up, you know, very excited about this. Um, This is a very unique situation for me, Charles, because I've never been a part of a franchise or even a movie that people were were expecting to this level. You know, I, I had a small part in The Dark Knight years ago, and that's the only thing that comes close. But with this movie, I'm just so pumped about it. I'm really excited knowing how beloved the franchise is 
and just the people, you know, the experience of making this film. David Gordon Green is in the next room and I can hear him doing his interviews as well. And, you know, I, I, I just can't thank him enough. And David Gordon Green, obviously, and Danny and Jamie Lee and Jason Blum for giving me this opportunity. You know, I just feel really blessed and really privileged uh, and just pumped, pumped as, as, any, <laughs> as any franchise fan is, you know, everybody that is looking forward to this film, it's really going to deliver. And I think they'll be very satisfied. You know? So, so speaking about the franchise, you kind of hinted that this is, this isn't the first Halloween sequel. That's for sure. So in fact, this isn't the first Halloween sequel to have a Tommy Doyle. Um, So I'm curious with that said, did you ever go back and watch any of those early sequels? And and did you study Paul Rudd's performance in Halloween six? No, you know what? I love Paul Rudd. I've, I've studied him in other, in other projects, but I, I didn't get a chance to look at Halloween six. I've seen it in the interim in the last two years. I saw it. But going into this project, I, I was a fan of the first film. When that came out, I'm 53, so that was 78. So by the time I saw it, I was probably in 79 or 80. I'm probably 11 or 12 years old. And I distinctly remember the feeling it gave you, you know, those wide shots of, of Myers kind of tracking uh, Laurie, you know, slash Jamie down the street and, and the, the music, the impact of it. And at that time, this is like when cable was new, like what streaming is now, you know. So I remember that. It was a very visceral feeling, what the film gave you. So that's something that's never left me, you know, so to be uh, to join this cast, and to be a part of this family is just an incredible feeling. It really is. And again, that added anticipation of everyone waiting a year and a half for for the world to change a bit so we can get back to the things that we love, you know, so it's a great feeling man. it really is. And I've never I've never experienced this before. So I'm, I'm super pumped about it. Yeah. That's awesome. So uh, yeah. talking about the this movie, particularly, we there are uh, societal messages in the movie that are clear, but when you're reading the script back, whenever you read it, I, I assume like 2018, 2019, you had to have no idea how uh, they would resonate in 2021. So uh, what's it like watching this movie now, knowing that you guys kind of hit the nail on the head with a couple of the, the political aspects? Yeah. See, that's an amazing kind of thing that just developed that, that obviously the world sort of mirrored the world that David was creating a couple of years ago. So you're absolutely right. And I know that um, Jamie Lee has spoken to this as well. You know, just the sense, like, as you said, all the societal issues, COVID, all the things that seemingly divided us as a country and, and globally, how the world has changed. It's a really amazing occurrence, how that kind of happened. Um, again, no one could have anticipated that, but uh, I think it just contributed to, to the anticipation and the build, you know, that people feel for this film in particular. So it's just such a great feeling. Um, I saw it recently with my wife and I was just blown away. And I think that as a filmmaker, David is just brilliant what he's done with this film because it really services the audience. And I think there's not enough filmmakers or, or even people, creators in television that, you know, they should really all see this film to see what he accomplished with this, because it really is something that he orchestrated for the audience. And it's phenomenal. You know, I think that he was able to, along with the great Danny McBride and Scott teams, they were able to thread those original characters from 78 to the last one, which was a massive hit, as we all know. Um, and then they still have room to make room for other characters too. So, I mean, they are phenomenal guys. I was always huge fans of Danny and David um, and I actually had auditioned for them before in a couple of their series. And I just was so uh, honored and privileged to be a part of it. And the making of it was really great too, Charles. We had a great time. You know, it wasn't, we weren't afforded some huge elongated schedule. It was about a six week shoot, but just a phenomenal experience. So it's that combination of all these things aligning, which makes it feel really special. Man. 
Yeah. That's awesome. So you, yeah. you mentioned bringing back characters and, and Tommy Doyle obviously is a big part of the Halloween franchise, as I said. So uh, David Gordon Green seems to tackle PTSD a lot with, with the, the last Halloween and this Halloween. And when you kind of put Tommy Doyle's trauma next to Laurie Strode's trauma and how they dealt with it, it's very different. So I'm curious, when you came into this movie, did you think about, you know, how this guy who went through such a horrific night 40 years ago would, would think it like, you know, in his 50s? I did, because that's part of the, the task as an actor. You have to sort of always kind of track where you're entering a scene, where you're exiting a scene, where you are in the story, because as we all know, we don't shoot movies in sequence. But the very fortunate thing that I think David did intentionally, we were able to schedule that opening scene at the bar, mm. which opens our film, uh, early on in the schedule. And that afforded me a great opportunity to really, you know, kind of speak to the people that had been there. You know, so it was great to see Nancy uh, and Kyle, who were there, obviously, at the original um, you know, working with Robert Longstreet, great guy too. So I think we all had this additional added excitement and enthusiasm, Charles, because as we were making the film, everybody was feeling that, you know, and also we were coming off of that, that massive last hit, you know? So I think that there's that thing of, there's so many great craftspeople and creative talents coming to, to the fore with this. And it's always that way when you make projects, you know, in TV and film, but it's a rare thing when you have all these other elements, you know, that there's really an audience that's hungry for it. There's a great anticipation for the film with fans of the franchise. Um, and again, just the making of it, we were all just jazzed and pumped up. And, and, and honestly, from the top down, David and Jamie Lee, Michael Simmons, our great cinematographer, all the way down to even all the great people that were, you know, the background performers and helping flesh out those big crowd scenes. You know? So there was that additional excitement and enthusiasm that we all worked with, which really, uh, it adds a lot of energy to the project. I felt, you know, it was great. Did you, uh, did you speak with, I assume you spoke with Kyle a few times, but mm -hmm. uh, did you uh, speak to her about the, the role? Because, you know, she is one of the people that was there 40 years ago and you were not, and yeah. you're inhabiting a role that she acted opposite the original character. So did you right. talk about that at all? Well, as an actor, I, I tend to lean towards giving people a lot of space. So I really didn't address any of those questions with her. But I got to be honest, this is really straight up information. Okay. I had crushes on Jamie Lee and Kyle <laughs> when I was a kid. Remember Escape from Witch Mountain? You're too young to remember that. No, I, I mean, remember it. You remember that film? Yeah. Okay, there you go. Um, honestly, I loved, I, I had a big crush on Jamie Lee as a kid all through high school, trading places the whole nine. So it was great to work and meet with, you know, meet Kyle and work with her. She's a great lady. There's a lot of great ladies in this project. Judy Greer, Andy, just really nice, good, humble people, you know, um, who take their work seriously. So there's that whole thing of like, you know, we had fun making the film. It wasn't just all seriousness, you know, because there's a, that kind of genuine enthusiasm that everybody was, uh, was feeling, you know, so it was cool. Uh, real quick. Did you keep the bat? Nah, man, I wish I could have. I wish uh, I could have. That's that a was shame. something that I don't know if David had planned it or if it was just something that occurred to him, but about a week or two into the shoot, he, he had that idea. So he pulled me aside and he said, I want to give you a weapon. I said, let's go, dude, I'm ready. I love it. You know? So the bat is called the Huckleberry. And yeah. uh, another thing I'd like to mention, which is just a cool thing about David, like he works with so many great people and they've got a great crew that's been with David and Danny at Rough House for years. So there's like a real shorthand with their crew, all the men and women that work with them. And that's great. You know, there's that real family vibe, but he's incredible. Like he cast the guy, the gentleman named Brian, who plays the bar owner is a friend of David's. So he's able to kind of do this kind of Fellini-esque thing too, of working with people that are non-actors and he still makes them look great. So uh, Brian had a story to tell. Let me tell you, that man has 16 kids and he told wow. me about his shotgun collection just to protect his daughter. <laughs> so he was, he was not joking. 
But that's just a little detail about David, how cool he is, you know? So he not only threads those original characters and gives us all space to play, but he's able to welcome new characters in as well, which is really fantastic. So, so you hinted at the Dark Knight and, and how you're excited about joining a big franchise in such a, a big role. Um, but, but you kind of have the, now with Dark Knight, now with Halloween, you have this way of coming in after the movie's a hit and really kind of <laughs> capitalizing on the second film. So I'm curious yeah. if that's part of the plan or, and do you have another franchise you're going to capitalize on here soon? Dude, from your lips to God's ears, I had never thought about that. And I'm certainly not cool enough to have planned that in no way, because as <laughs> actors, you kind of, you're going year round, hand to mouth. You never know what's coming down the pike, you know? So that's very nice of you to say, but it was certainly uh, a very happy accident, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, yeah. And, and so just, you know, you're, you're clearly an actor that's been around for, for a long time now. So I'm curious, <laughs> uh, I don't mean that in a bad way either. No, no, <laughs> I'm not good. called you old. <laughs> <laughs> I, but, but I'm curious because you are uh, an actor that stayed relevant and stayed acting for, for years now. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of the dead zone even. So I'm curious, what what's the key to that when you see other people around you like your peers struggle to stay relevant what's what's the key to that i first of all thank you for what you said it means a lot to me i really appreciate it i have always you know i worked with danny trejo a couple of years ago i did a, a western with he and mickey rourke and we shot in eastern europe and it was something that danny said to me that stuck that i want to share with you he said mike i'm like a mechanic i go where the work is you know so i think that we never as actors really have the luxury of planning these things but I've always had that, that tenacity, I think, since I was a kid. And I always knew that I wanted this career and I was going to keep working at it and kind of chipping away as it, my father would say. So I've been very blessed and I had a thick skin. I just really kind of approached it the way Trejo mentioned, you know, like uh, I also really respect athletes and how they approach it. So it's that, that kind of men mentality, just to have a, a real workman's mentality, but also to be in it for the long haul, no pun intended. Uh, it was actually Robert Downey Sr. who had a really funny pun about my name. He goes, in the long haul, a short one won't make it. So that was from Robert Downey Sr. to me years ago. But I feel very blessed and privileged to have had a long career. This is my 45th year doing this, and I'm just grateful, man. So I think it was just a bit of a hard head and just being tenacious and, and just working at it. One last anecdote. This is really funny. There's a line in the classic movie Chinatown, which always cracks me up, and it kind of speaks to longevity a little bit. I forget who says it in the film, but the line that the character says in Chinatown is so funny. He goes, it's like whores and politicians. If you hang in there long enough, you start to look good again to people. <laughs> <laughs> so not to call myself a whore or a politician because I'm neither, but uh, I always thought that was a funny line. You know, it's just, I just feel really grateful and very blessed that I've had a long career, man. So I'm, I'm grateful for every, uh, every phase of it as it's gone, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I know this might be a difficult thing to answer, but I'm curious if you have anything that stands out from your short run on SNL. Wow. You know what? Again, that was an incredible experience. I have to be very honest. I don't, I think it was one of the worst seasons of all 48 or however <laughs> well, it's many like, it it's like mythological though. Oh no, totally. Totally. But again, you know, I had the great fortune of working for Lauren as a kid. That was in 1985. And it was a very interesting time. You know, he had he had created the show, then he left it for five years and he returned. Um, so, you know what? It was just a privilege to be a part of. Even if you didn't have a great sketch, it was just such a thrill to be a part of that show. And it's a seven day a week job. Let me tell you, you know, it's written for three days and then we start rehearsing for three days. And it really requires a lot. It gave me a really healthy respect for comedy comedians, live television, and certainly Lorne Michaels, who's a, a genius of a guy who really created this kind of institution that we all love, you know? So yeah, it was he, a privilege. 
he's definitely somebody you really can't bad mouth at all. He's got his hands all over the place. You got to stay in his good graces, right? You're not kidding. I always love the anecdote too, the idea that Michael Myers created Dr. Evil. It's supposed to be the Lauren voice. You know, it's that thing of like, he kind of, kind of does sound like that, by the way. Anyway. <laughs> and, and, and last. Minus the be- cat. Remember the cat? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the lasers. Minus the yeah, lasers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right on. Um, I got it. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Weird Science. It's one of my favorite movies. All right. Cool. Um, oh, cool. But I'm curious, since you're somebody who has been in these movies since you were a kid, do you ever cringe watching those movies? Because I know if oh, I dude. saw my teenage years on screen, I would kill myself. Bro, you just said it. I've been cringing since 1984. Believe me, because it's <laughs> nothing like I don't look at myself. First of all, I don't look at myself when I work. I don't like to do that. So I kind of work from some interior place, you know, whether I'm doing a comedy or a drama. So I've kind of cultivated my own method of how I approach the work. But it's always like that. It's always like a yearbook moment. Because remember when we were growing up, you don't really see what you look like till the yearbook comes out, right? So for me, it was always like, whoa, <laughs> too much information, you know? I refer to the John Hughes movies or, uh, as the puberty on film trilogy. So you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a trip, man. As, as time has gone on, it, it gives you a, a lighter hearted you know, take on it. So I can, I can look back now and, and kind of laugh at myself. Because I look like a bobblehead. I mean, I look like I was about 11 years old till I was about 16 anyway, so. I can, I can, uh, I can feel that too. I was the same you way, but, saying? but see, the right. only difference is I didn't have critics commenting on my yearbook photos. Do you know what I'm saying? Exactly. So I hung in there. I hung in there. Well, I, I gotta, I gotta let you go, but uh, thanks for talking. It's been fun. Anthony Michael Hall, everybody go see Halloween kills. You're right Tommy on. Doyle. You carry a bat and you're a badass. So thank you. There it is, Charles. Thanks a lot, brother. Uh,